Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. Today's poem is another example of something I like to turn to occasionally here on this podcast, and that is a passage from Shakespeare. I have read, for example, the Agincourt speech from Henry V, and today's poem is a series of lines from Act 3, Scene 2 of Julius Caesar. Here on the Close Reads Podcast Network, we have been going through Julius Caesar over on our, on our podcast, The Place, The Thing. Heidi White, Matt Bianco, and Brian Phillips have been going through that one act at a time. And today, actually, we're going to put up our conversation, or their conversation, rather, on Act 3. And Act 3 includes one of Shakespeare's most famous speeches. And so I thought that I would read lines 70 through 104 of this famous speech. This is uh, from Mark Antony, of course. You'll recognize it. It goes like this. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men, come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lupercal I thrice presented him a kingly crown, yet he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and sure he is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withhold you then to mourn for him? O judgment, thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. So, if you want to dive into some of the themes of this speech in the play, I'll let you uh, rely a little bit more on the Plays the Thing podcast here on the Close Reads Network, and I'll focus a little bit more on some of the writing. This is one of the most famous examples of blank verse, something Shakespeare was a master at, and which we don't see as much anymore, but it's an iambic line with 10 stresses and five beats, of course. It's unrhymed, And as the authors of The Making of a Poem say, it is traditionally associated with dramatic speech and epic poetry. And of course, they also note that it is often identified as the poetic form closest to human speech. Blank verse shows up in Paradise Lost by Milton, in Christopher Marlowe's work, in Thomas Wyatt's translation of the Aeneid. And it was invented in England by Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey, which is, that's a bit of trivia for you. But it came to England from Italian literature. 
And uh, I want to read this little passage here from Mark Strand and Avon Boland uh, in the making of a poem in their, in their uh, section on the history of blank verse. They write this. The Italians call blank verse verse sciolti di rima, verse free from rhyme. There was intense interest at the time in finding an unrhymed line that would match the heft and weight of the classical epic. This was, after all, the Renaissance when imitation of the classical epic, its scope and purpose was still a priority for poets. Italian poets such as Almagni and Tresino were already using blank verse for plays in the early part of the 16th century. But their blank verse was composed with 11 or 10 or 9 syllables. There was still a need to naturalize the whole project of blank verse in the English language. End quote. And that's where Henry Howard, Earl of Surrey, Thomas Wyatt, Christopher Marlowe, Shakespeare, and Milton come in. They harnessed this form in our language, giving us one of the great poetic gifts of all time. And here in this particular passage, you see it put to uh, remarkable use. And of course, it feels, the speech by Shakespeare, feels like something that might have been in the Iliad or the Odyssey. And I think that one of Shakespeare's greatest gifts was giving us, in our language, in the English language, our own version of that. He's following in the footsteps of that tradition, of course, but he's harnessing it for the way that our words work, the way that our words have relationships to one another. And he, he empowered English like no one ever had before. And this speech is an example of that. I think that this speech is one of the speeches that will live on forever, or for as long as English is spoken. At least I certainly hope it is, because it's, it's a proof of what the English language is capable of doing, and it roots it in the tradition of great literature, uh, the canon of great literature. So that's all I'll say for right now. If you want to think more about the, the themes, um, head over to The Plays the Thing, and they'll break down that this speech for you a little bit. So, uh, Act 3, Scene 2, Lines 70 through 104 from Julius Caesar. Here it is one more time. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men, come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend, faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome, whose ransoms did the general coffers fill. Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the looper call I thrice presented him a kingly crown, yet he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and sure he is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn for him? O judgment, thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till... It come back to me. 
This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.